Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, the Make the Grade podcast. I got a guest today. Those of you know, I love when guests are on, especially really good ones, have something good to say. And we definitely have one of them today. So my guest today is named Gail Swift. Gail is from beautiful Las Vegas. Gail, just say hello to everybody real fast. Hello. It's so fun to be here. Thank you. You're going to find out Gail is very energetic. So if you haven't had your coffee yet, you may not need it. After listening to her, this is going to be good. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Then we're going to get into some really important stuff. And by the way, parents or kids, if you're not sure what you want to do with your life, you better get your notebooks ready, you better get your pens and your pencils sharpened, because you're going to learn an amazing amount from Gail in a short amount of time. Gail Swift, hailing from a beautiful Las Vegas area in Nevada. She is fiercely committed to guiding students and families to take action in their natural abilities. What really excites Gail about her work is knowing that every single student is created with a pattern of taking action that does not change over time. And this pattern predicts their path, which leads to their purpose. Her expertise has been honed or honored, well, sorry, by being in the first group of Colby youth advocates in the whole world, appearances on podcasts, television segments, educational stages, and college open houses, quite a pedigree. Her three unique things are that might surprise you is she loves watching kids dance in the rain. We'll get into that. She likes to take hikes with her husband most Saturday mornings and snuggle with her Rhodesian Ridgeback named Jax. I assume that's a dog, not a snake or something. <laughs> it um, is a dog. <laughs> yeah, I've thought so. I just hadn't really heard of that breed. Okay. So listen, Gail, I want to start with this kind of, not really a bold statement, but I think something, let's just clarify something. Everybody is born with a pattern, right? Correct. And the whole idea is to, I, that pattern is going to sort of predict your life. It's not like your um, imprint or Freud would call your sort of, um, I was engram. What was Freud's term? I forget now. Ah, I forget my college. It's like, but, but I, so I, I'm going to guess the key is identifying what that is, getting meaning from it, and then trying to figure out how to harness that to your advantage. Exactly. So, yeah. T- tell me about how did, how did you get into this? How did you discover it? Why is this, why are you so passionate about it? You know, let's hear. I was actually, I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome when I was five Mm. and I was put on some pretty serious drugs to calm me down. Now Tourette's is a neurological disorder. And I also cognitively, which is that third part of the mind that this pattern comes from and deals with, I was also different from my parents and my teachers So it was hard to calm me down or rein me in. And in school, it wasn't celebrated, of course, and modern day, this would be ADD or ADHD. But I naturally like can't change this about myself. So obviously it continued because it's in me. And in 1991, my mom was like, we need to get you some focus She was at a national network of women in sales meeting, heard a woman talking about conation, went up to her after the meeting and said, can you help my daughter? 
And so sure enough, I met with her. And for the first time in my life, I heard that my last minute, my random, my a lot going on was perfectly normal for me. Mm. So in 1991 was the first time I'd heard of it. Absorbing it was a whole different deal. I, I, I would say leaned into this when my kids were born. And then of course, when I got married, my kids were born, like it incrementally just got more important to know this about someone to get along with them. Hmm. I, I mean, as opposed to feeling guilty about it or thinking there's something wrong with you or trying to make or, it. Yeah. Trying to make it different or judging. Right. right, right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Judgment's probably a good word. Okay. So now you're aware of it. Yes. Now there's an awareness. So typically awareness is an early stage. Now there's a coping or so what happened next? As far as me knowing myself or, or with my kids? Well, it, my, either, either. But I, I think maybe let's start with you and then we can sort of transition that into the, to your kids. So if this isn't change, it does not change. It, mm. I'm born this way. Mm. And the hard part, Dr. Green, is when I have to filter it with everyone that's coming at me. For example, as a business owner, there are a lot of business owners that do things different ways and have a lot of different opinions. I would start to wonder, maybe that business owner that's been doing it for X amount of years or has X amount of dollars, maybe they know better than I do. Mm. And so instead of automatically absorbing that information because of where it's coming from, I've learned to filter it through what works for me. And that has been a learned process over time. Now, was this something that took you months to learn, weeks to years. learn, years to learn? Okay. Years. So this is an ongoing, and it probably there's, it's an ongoing process anyway. Absolutely. And you're not, you're not a senior citizen like me, you're a relatively young person, but so, so you're, this is like a constant thing, but, but the key is the awareness. Yes. Right. So how did this apply in your children's cases as much as you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, absolutely. When I know how my kids perform or solve problems and I had the blueprint in my hands. So I was looking at how they solve problems and any mom would be like, really, are you sure? So I tested it and I would have them solve problems and there's always pain when they're trying to solve a problem, there's always pain. And so I could either swoop in or look at my blueprint for that child. Mm. And when I looked at the blueprint, instead of swooping in to save it or rescue him, or I would, I would say, I know that you can do this. I know that this is in you. This is in your wheelhouse. And then I would ask them questions to help solve the problem. And every single time they did. So when they started solving problems, they started taking responsibility for their decisions. And when they took responsibility for their decisions, they didn't blame anyone for what was happening. And as a parent, I had to really recognize what was important to me. Is failing the class going to be okay? Is looking disheveled and out of place and crazy, is that okay? And the answer was yes. <laughs> yes to all of those. So there was a lot of leeway and leverage, but with that freedom came passion and confidence for that child to want to, my kids for want to want to do better. I put this in context. 
mm-hmm. about approximately what age were, were the children at this point? Um, I knew this about my kids at age nine and 11. So roughly like fourth grade, yep. fifth grade, yes, third grade. So old enough that they're, they're independent, they're developing personalities, they're not like infants. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did this require counseling or therapy or anything formalized like that? Or was this something that you dealt with more intuitively? This was something that I've been trained in. I've been trained to do this and work with kids and families in this capacity. So mm-hmm. I worked with my own in this capacity. Let me tell you something. No big secret here. It's not easy to work with your kids. <laughs> I could tell you all, I too, listen, you know, I run an education tutoring company among other things. Right. And I said to my two kids, I said, listen, I work with a lot of your friends. I'll be happy to work with the two of you, but I'm going to treat you the same as them. Same assignments, same, you know, expectations, same accountability. Yeah. 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 We want to do that. It, it was painful some days. It was not pretty. It didn't work right every day. That's for sure. I would, you know, yeah. pain in the butt. But they got results. And that was, I guess, ultimately the bottom line. And, you know, my kids are a little bit older now. So they're, you know, they're done college and all. But it's not easy. And every parent who's listening probably is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. I so get true. it. Because, it, you know why? Because it's, it's not compartmentalized. If, mm-hmm. And in fairness, if I'm working with a child and I'm tutoring it personally, I don't know, whatever, in chemistry or math, that's my relationship with them. You know, our role is I am your mentor for this topic. Then they go home and they got everything else going on in their life. They, I, you don't have the layers of, did you clean your room? Or, sure. you know, come on, we're supposed to leave 10 minutes ago to go to the orthodontist. <laughs> or, you know, um, you know, you told me you wanted uh, spaghetti for dinner and yeah. now you eat it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whatever. So true. So <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, and, and let me tell you something. Your kids are probably still pretty young. It, it doesn't get any better when they get older. This kid's bigger. But, um, but so, okay. So that, at least in your case, you had a successful outcome, at, le- at least from the standpoint that you feel your children are, well, this is a term that has got used in a long time, well-adjusted. <laughs> um, you know, they have uh, kind of, the, they're, they're on a path. So how does this, one of the things we said in the intro is the pattern can lead to their success, right? Mm-hmm. Or I guess not, mm-hmm. if you're not in touch with your pattern, right? Right, exactly. Sort of in touch with your programming. I'm going to use that word. So what, what, what sort of, um, what sort of sort of information would you get in, in a therapy like you could provide? And then how could you use that in order to maybe make a correct career decision or maybe even a college path? Absolutely. And I've had, and I've had let me just say one more thing, Gil. I've mm-hmm. had other guests on who are people who are like alternative college, like instead of going to college, there's a gazillion other things one could do in their life, right? Vocational school, military, whatever you, you whatever. So um, the idea would be, that sometimes knowing that you don't want to find that after you spent three years and $78,000 finding out the college wasn't for you. But anyway, um, the, the question would be, what information do you gather? You don't have to get too deep into it and how it happens because now your therapy is probably somewhat uh, extensive. But and then how can more importantly, how can somebody use that information to maybe two things, avoid things that we probably know, at least in theory, aren't going to work well, right? And or maximize opportunities that should that's a big long question but uh you got 20 minutes bingo let's go (laughs) now you're on go ahead there are there are four modes of behavior in this pattern the first one is we'll call it red deals with it's your need for details or information the second one is blue it's your need to organize and systematize things the third is green that is your need for risk and uncertainty 
The fourth is yellow. That is your need to get your hands on the environment. So to answer your question a little more specifically, let's just go with the first red. If you need a ton of detail to make your best decision, or if you need very little detail to make your best decision, that will make a difference in reading time when your child's young. Because if that child has a need for a lot of information, they will continue to find it and search for it. If they have a need for very little information, one source, a couple Don't sentences, yeah. get it. Okay. It's seven pages long. You read it in two minutes. <laughs> so, so you get it. You yeah, get, I get it. it. I get okay. It. So let's go to the last one that I just talked about. Yellow. Mm-hmm. If you have a child that needs to get their hands on the world to make it a better place, circle time in kindergarten is going to be excruciating if you have to keep your hands in your lap because their natural need is to touch the world around them. So now you're making a bad child out of an innate strength. Mm -hmm. If they don't need to touch the world around them, then they will easily sit with their hands in their lap. People that need to touch things are chefs, pilots, race car drivers, artisans, craftsmen. That's their natural, you get it, you get it. Mm -hmm. So those, knowing those things at three years of age will save a lot of headache. <laughs> I can give you personal examples of the two in the middle also, um, but it, it can go on and on and on. So when you know this about your child, you can take two approaches as a parent. I don't care. They're going to be a doctor regardless. They're going to do what I need them or want them to do. That's your first approach. Or the second approach is, hmm, okay, I want them to be a contributor to the world, but I want them to do my thing. Maybe there's some way we can mix the two and I can take this into consideration. Because if I don't, or if I have this child go against their grain, they're going to have behavioral issues. I might not have a relationship with them. They're going to be stressed out. So you're, so the, the test is valid, even at that young of an age. Yes. Are there different stages? Like there's different, I think we discussed this in kind of our pre-talk, but so there's a different test you might give, say to a four-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 16-year-old, but they all yes. basically point in the same direction. Yes. Now they overlap a little bit with sort of learning styles, right? There's the classic visual learner, audio learner, kinesthetic learner. Um, maybe that overlaps a little bit and in, in the way people like to take in information, and, and none of these are better than worse. Like it's not good to be red and bad to be yellow or right. anything like that. This is no. completely an identification <laughs> mechanism. And then what do you do with the information? It is your pattern and it's permanent. Mm-hmm. You're born with it. It's not changing over time. So what I do with the information is when I know this about my second son has zero need to finish anything he starts. Hmm. And he does not keep um, a folder for every subject. So he's, Naturally, definitely these not, are, he's definitely not blue. No, no. Right. He's a one. <laughs> he's not he's a one out of 10. And the oh, only yeah, no, difference right. between those numbers, Negative by the way, <laughs> is yeah. Okay. So here's the point. When I know that instead of saying, make sure your, your room is cleaned up and organized, I'll give him a bin to put all his garbage in, like put all your stuff in a, all your stuff in one big so, so, bin. Uh, it's the simple of it is go. You're meeting them where they are. Because you know where you know where they are, even maybe more than they know where they are, because you've done the analysis. 
Right. How long does it take to do this test? Is it a day? Is it an hour? Is it protracted it is process? The, it depends. Um, it takes a video with a three-year-old to nine-year-old. The nonverbal assessment is a bag of toys. That takes four to 12 minutes oh, that's, to that's get clear. the video. And then when we send the video in, two Colby consultants are taking a look at it. And that takes about two weeks to get back. Mm. Wow. Okay. But that's still... You know, I'm sort of comparing it, and it, it, this is apples to oranges, but I'm comparing it to say like a full psyche valve mm. it's, that, you know, you may go to like a psychologist for, you know, with the intent of determining is my kid ADHD or what have you. Right. And that can be a four, six, sometimes even two, four, six hour, multiple day experience, um, very clinical, right? Um, listen, hey, this is the Make the Great Podcast. Steve Green is your host, my guest, Dale Swift fascinating discussion here. Um, at least I'm finding, I hope you are too. Our goal here, parents, entrepreneurs, is to give you tools, to give you actions, to drive you and accelerate you on your path to success. That is the theme of the Make Great Podcast. Here we're getting a little deep. We're getting heavy into the sort of inner workings, right? It, listen, it, Gail, does it, you know, it, let's say somebody's 40 years old, 50 years old. They're, they're well into a career. Maybe they've changed careers seven times. Um, is it just as valuable at that point? I would think, I guess in a sense, there's more value when you're young because then you could steer your ship, so to speak, in the right direction. But even like somebody's maybe also, is that maybe this is why I've had four careers in the last six years. Maybe this is why I keep getting a job and I'm not really liking it. And there's, you know, grass is always greener someplace else. Is this, is it just as valuable at that point? Yesterday, I was in a mastermind and there were about 12, there were 12 business owners in that mastermind mm -hmm. and they all did the Colby index and um, tears are probably the number one result mm. of this because mm. they have been struggling or pushing the ball uphill for so and long and, and not knowing that, why thinking that something's wrong mm. and it's not, <laughs> nothing is wrong. I, I'll say that you are born whole, perfectly whole, and we're meant to be a community. So we're not meant to do all things right perfectly. We're, we're like a puzzle piece, and we're meant to be in, in this world together to have people come and fill in the gaps, hmm. if that makes sense. We're not meant to do it all. I'm going to assume that that reaction, like an emotional, almost like a catharsis, yeah. It's either because people were kind of relieved that, oh, wow, I happened to choose the right business or, oh, my gosh, I just wasted 15 years doing something I wasn't really <laughs> suited for or whatever. No wonder I've been so miserable. Right. Would this work? I'm just curious because I, I just had a relationship kind of counselor person I interviewed. Would, is there any transference here to say like in a relationship, right? Like if it's like a, two, mate, two uh, spouses mm. or yeah. significant others, whatever the politically <laughs> correct term is anymore. Is there like a lack of compatibility there? Like, is this something that maybe could be used at that level as well? I, I think we can all see, although I know we could dive deeper into a career path slash college. Sure. So I want to circle back to the college thing, but I'm just thinking, is this something that might apply at that level as well? A personal there is, relationship? Right. Yes. There isn't an ideal MO match, modus operandi match, okay. but there is an ingredient that needs to be there for success. And that ingredient is respect. Mm. But is that measurable in your, in your test? Respect? Maybe, yeah, maybe not. That's different. It is but, different. But I mean, I'm asking it this way. Like if you get somebody that's high green, mm. high risk, they like risk. They would like sure. that. But they're in a relationship with a red person who likes details, likes order. 
you know, maybe they're, you know, kind of going in different directions that way, or maybe it's an opposites attract thing as well. You know, it's like, Oh, I, I'm very, very stable. So I like having somebody that likes risk around because mm-hmm. I can do it vicariously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, cause I just, like I said, I just, I just interviewed this person uh, a couple of days ago. Um, let's, let's, let's circle back to as much as you'd like to address the, how this might impact. Cause a lot of my listeners who are mm-hmm. parents have kids in high school and obviously the, the, a major uh, stepping stone out of high school is college. Okay. I, I think it's still fair to say the majority of people, that's their goal. They wake, they, they wake up, they get born, they go to school, they end up in high school, then they go to college and then they move into a career. That's still the American dream ish sort of idea. Right. Um, how, how maybe give some case study examples if you want, or just uh, some generalized, how might knowing knowledge from this uh, exercise impact somebody's college choice or perhaps maybe not the school itself, maybe a major or a course of study or, or whatever you think is important. When the students go through the process, I work with, I think I've, I told you this before, some college counselors or college concierge people, they use the verbiage on the index to say in the essay for college, what that student is good at and how they naturally solve problems. Because the students... Mm often isn't aware. They're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm good at. And that test indicates exactly what their strengths are. So a lot of them use the language directly from the results for the essay. It also very clearly states in the career assessment that comes with it, what their ideal job is with their cognitive makeup. So if you are naturally not a detail person, you're not going to be an accountant or maybe a lawyer, like there are certain careers that match with how you take action. My son, my youngest son, 70% of the teachers operate one way. He is the antithesis of the way teachers generally operate. I don't think you do, but I have no idea. So if he's the opposite of an ideal educational path or pattern, he is not going to go to college. He's going to have several 18-month certifications. He has a website. He's a welder. He's selling things. He's learning Spanish because when he owns his company, he's going to need to learn that language. And he's 14. Now, is this something, and, and at least to some degree, maybe entirely, this, this was uh, initiated or sort of directed by your knowledge of the, of the results of this protocol? Yes. But I'm sure at some point he has to still want to enjoy what he's doing. Um, okay, no, look, so that's a major thing, right? So you, this kid, he's in what, uh, eighth grade, ninth grade? Yeah, he's a freshman. Yeah, okay. Yep. So you've almost already said, look, college is probably not for what's going on here, right? Right. But so in, instead of fighting that, instead, you're kind of um, you know, setting up an alternative, so to speak, path that, that he could already go into and learn that and be prepped for that early on. Yes. The less I fight it, the more education he wants to get. Hmm. Interesting. Is, um, is this something that you, you retest occasionally or is it something that you, uh, like once it's set, is it set? Like I, if I did mm-hmm. it today and mm-hmm. I did it again in five years, I guess mm-hmm. theoretically it should be maybe not identical, but should be similar because that's the contention that it's sort of wired into you. 
the, Kathy Colby developed this algorithm in 1987 and okay. she, her whole point was this does not change over time. So that's she, a premise. She has proved it. It is valid and reliable. So after 20 years, she brought up everyone, had them take the test again, retested them. Mm-hmm. And every mode in those colors that I gave you was within 94 to 96% of where it yeah, was 20 years that's ago. That's pretty significant statistically. Right. Have you, have you taken it yourself? I have. Can you self-administer this? I guess you can. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, I, want you can... do, I want to do this test. I'm, yeah, I'm, you, you can't you do sure it can. now, but uh, it only takes four. <laughs> I mean, I can watch a four-minute video and play with toys. That's easy for me. Um, wow. Um, okay. Let me, let, me, let me ask you something else. And I'm, I'm asking this more as a parent. Obviously, sure. you're a professional. You're a therapist. I, I don't coach. And yeah. by the way, Gail's website is beautiful. And Gail, how do, how do people get to your website? Because I, it's really well done. It's very Thank professional. You. It's got some great info on it. Yeah. It's got some also very personalized stuff that I think people would relate to very well. But uh, th- what's your website address? It is plans to prosper coaching.com. Plans to prosper coaching.com. So T O, not digit two. Correct. Because sometimes people do that if the yes. other one was taken. Plan, and that's the name of your coaching service. Yes. Who would be a typical, if there is such a thing, uh, client for you or or person that you would do work with? I would say a parent, right. A parent or an entity who believes that there is strength and value and they want to know how their child or kids work when free to be themselves. And they want to put that above their own agenda. Mm which is kind of an ego decision because parents obviously, you know, their children are probably, maybe not even probably should be the most important things in their lives. So let go of expectations can be hard. Yes. I would think. It is a lot of parents. You, you got, you've got this balance of, I want my kid to be happy, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be a welder. I mean, I'm not dissing welders. I'm just saying for some people, that's not their uh, gold standard of success. Right. Interesting. Wow. Um, any particular, and I'm sure you probably have several, but any one particular case study you want to share, like something that really, you know, the test was just way off what people thought maybe like in terms of the kid didn't how, you know, had a dramatic impact or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There was actually a third grader that I worked with a few years ago and I explained, I think I gave a presentation and I said that I had Tourette's when I was young and it acted up in third grade. And a parent came up to me and said, that's my child. I want to talk to you about what you do. And so we had a conversation with the parents, wound up testing the child and the child was in transition. When someone is in transition, that means they are not free to be themselves and the algorithm will stop. It will not complete itself because that tells me that the voices outside are louder than their own. They're not trusting their gut. And so I had a conversation with the parents and I said, this is the result. What's going on in the household? I said, is he, and I knew in the mode that he was in transition. I said, is he being told or suggested that he do something like read or follow through on things? And the dad comes up and he's like, yes, I know exactly what the deal is at reading time. He's done and he's exhausted, but it's important to me that he read every single night for X amount of time and X amount of pages. And it turns out that's where the strain and tension was coming from. But that's not, I mean, listen, that's not an unrealistic and unfair expectation. But I I think the issue was maybe when it was happening. 
and yes. the environment and the vibe at the time. So, so maybe the adjustment is maybe you do it right after dinner or you do it at a time that's more uh, aligned with the kids uh, ability to do it. Right. Or, or maybe not as often, or maybe have fun with it, or maybe like let them pick the book. So yeah. all sorts of ways you can maneuver it. And so a couple of weeks later, we retested him and he, it was great. He had a clear result. And I huh. spoke to the homeroom teacher. I spoke to the teachers and I explained it to him. There's also a little audio interpretation that he listened to and he was not put on medication. Like they were originally going to do. He realized oh, they realized like an like ADD kind of medication. Yes. Okay. There was good, no, that's good. Right. As soon mm -hmm. as I let them know that these things will stress him out and mm -hmm. they, it was clean sailing. And I met with the parents probably four or five times to figure out some tips and tricks individual for their family. So it was the basic protocol here. Someone you would have a, 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 a I don't know, a, a get to know each other consultation. Like, let's see if this is right for you. Mm -hmm. You would administer mm -hmm. the, the test. Mm -hmm. Then there'd be a follow-up. You would explain to people what the results are. And then maybe there's also some therapeutic or counseling, whatever verb you want to use afterward. Is that An explanation. Your, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, and I, I, maybe there's parents out there saying, oh, this sounds awesome. And Gail sounds incredible. And she is, but this, I, I can't afford $50,000 for this. Is this, and you don't have to say how much it costs, but is this something that within, within most people's reasonable grasp? It is. I'm, I'm extremely gentle and relaxed on it. Um, it's more important to me that the information be given correctly and it's not a one and done. I do not coach. I generally don't coach kids under 15. Okay. So if I, if they're over that age, then I will coach them and that's important. So staggering it out over a couple of months is completely fine. Generally speaking, to answer your question, it's around 850, maybe to 1250 per person. For the whole protocol. Correct. So that's, that's not, I mean, I'll tell you why, and I'm not, I know people that are reluctant mm -hmm. to have, who, who I, I, in my non-clinical psychologist role, mm -hmm. probably have legit ADD or some sort of behavioral um, challenge. But at least where I live, most psychological uh, exams, full batteries are not covered by insurance. Right. So people are saying, oh, I, I, I just know $6,000 to go pay this out of pocket. So they, they aren't able, then they try to get the schools to do it or the county to do it, depending on your uh, sure. academic jurisdiction. So people are, are, I guess it's a choice because you can always come up with it if you want, but um, people are sort of forced to not have access to things that might help their kid because they just can't afford it. So it, it, it's like anything in life. You make priorities where you make priorities. Oh boy, this is awesome. Do we, is there anything you want to get into really fast? I got a couple of th fun things to end this lightness. Let's, up I want to do the fun things. Let's yeah, do the fun fun. Is there anything you want to add? We haven't gotten to. So Gail's website, and this will be in the show notes, but plan to prosper coaching.com. That's a long word, but that's because she's important. And she brings a lot of value. <laughs> All right, here's something I do with my guests. Okay, I call this the, your fave five. Mm -hmm. Fave five, I suppose the fab five. or five. So I'm going to just ask you something, you, you know, it's almost like a Rorschach, right? So yeah. what is your favorite dessert? Chocolate. Chocolate, okay. You and my wife dark are getting chocolate there. Bar. Oh, yeah. dark chocolate, even better. Mm -hmm. Very high in antioxidants, by the way. <laughs> favorite place, this is sort of a two-part. 
Favorite place to vacation you have been versus want to go? Favorite place to vacation that I've been is White Birch Lodge in Elk Lake, Michigan. And that's because my kids are entertained outside all day long and they run around and they play. Meals are provided. There's a first bell and a second bell. And I can sit on the beach and read my book. And the second place that I'd like to go is the South Island of New Zealand for two to three weeks. I had that all planned out. And then my husband and I were playing tennis and he went up for a drop shot. I thought he would never get (laughs) broke his ACL and he Mm. was in surgery within a week. So we could not go to New Zealand. So that's a dream trip of mine. Dang. Actually, I have a client in New Zealand. I'll try to hook you up. She can be a tour guide for you. There you go. Favorite either television show, music, art, something like that. Right. I like, I don't Mrs. know if you Maisel. want to date yourself or not. Whatever. No, no. I like Mrs. Maisel and I love shit. Oh, Mrs. Ma- the, uh, what the, not the marvelous the, the, Mrs. Maisel. Marvelous Mrs. My, uh, you and my wife would be like BFFs. She <laughs> loves that show too. Yes. Favorite color. There's an easy one. Green. Green. That's my favorite color too. That's really, cool. That's really true. I'm not just saying it. <laughs> um, all right. Favorite gadget, favorite piece of technology. Are you a gadget person? I'm not. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to another one. Then. Okay. I always have seven or eight just in case. Um, bucket list item besides New Zealand, South Island. To have every 15-year-old in the world know how they work when free to be themselves. Oh, I like that one. That is good. That's probably also your mission statement, right? Yes. Here's the last one. Double credit for this question. <laughs> Who's your favorite podcast host? You! <laughs> Dr. Green answer. Eggs and Ham! <laughs> there you go. There's a correct answer. Well done, Gail. You have passed the, uh, you have passed <laughs> nice. the, uh, phase five test. Good for you. Hey, um, I thought this was really awesome. One more time. If people want to get a hold of Gail. Um, yeah, sorry. Plan to prosper coaching.com. Her website's awesome. We'll put everything in the show notes email. If you want to put your phone number to get, you don't have to do that on the podcast. Um, I thought this was great. And there's so much stuff I think we could get into and minutia and detail of, you know, what this all means. But, you know, to me, this makes a lot of sense. You know, why not, you know, 12, 13 year old before they're too set in what they're going to do, get the right information. As she says, every 15 year olds on a clear path, it'd be great because look, we all know whether our own or other people, kids has just never seen to quite, you know, get in a groove. And, and it's like, is, is it their fault? Well, maybe it's right. not their fault at all. Maybe they just are trying to their square peg round hole. Right. A round hole, square peg, mm-hmm. <laughs> one or the other. Gail, you know, anything new? Like you got a, anything you want to plug? You got like a course or a workshop or a book or a, I don't know, a world tour coming up. You got anything? <laughs> there is a, there's a huge campaign I'm about to embark on with schools in January. Um, this has not, it's been in quite a few schools, um, but it's been in schools with Kathy Colby. Um, but I have a big, I have a huge vision for this and that's, I, I would say the biggest thing happening that's starting in January, but we no, we should talk about that. Maybe we can partner on that a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be great. Well, Hey, this is the make the great podcast. I want to thank Gail Swift again. Fantastic information. Love your energy. Super positive. You know, Hey, I'm telling you, check it out. See if it's something that's right for you and your family. And you go from there. The Make the Great Podcast, here's our goal. Provide you parents and entrepreneurs actions you can take to accelerate your journey to success. We do this with a lot of guests. I do some solo. 
If you're listening to this and you're saying, I could be a guest on that podcast, I want to do the Fave Five, just reach out, sgreen at makethegrade.net or put a comment under the podcast wherever you're listening to this, and we'll see if you can make it happen. See if you're Make the Grade podcast material. <laughs> and a little hint, the bar is pretty low. But not in Gail's case. Gail's, Gail's an excellent <laughs> guest. So that's it. Hey, Gail, thanks one last time. Thank and, you, Steve. Uh, we're going to roll it out here. Everybody, uh, please comment. And if you like what you heard today, please share this. That is the one favor I ask people. It's not because I want more listeners. It's because I want people to get the information. The more people that get information that's valuable like this mm-hmm. in, their, in their ears, so to speak, the, the better. Then I really feel like I've accomplished something important. So that's what we're going to do. We will see you or talk at you or listen to you next time and have a great day. You've been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.